0: Oh, what's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of Duck Gun Chronicles. I am Jordan <laughs> from, of Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles. Got my co-host per usual, the greatest of gray beards, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting. How are you doing tonight, Elliot?
1: I am doing great. Wonderful. I took a trip to the marsh last Friday, so I spent a whole day out with Good patron Dane, he came and visited me. And so, my right. dad, I, sh- I showed now Dane's a patron on Patreon. I showed him my honey hole of all honey holes. Was that smart or dumb?
0: Perfect, stranger. Um, I'd say it's probably not smart. <laughs> I trust
1: him, I trust him.
0: that's. But. I've, I've had, I've actually ran into some people that I trusted that have, uh, that relationship have gone south. So, um, <laughs> No I'm not saying anything against Dane because i I don't know him on a personal level you got a better feel you've yeah. talked to him on the phone you know i've I've obviously seen him in on patreon and in our chat over here and, and all kinds of stuff but yeah you never know man you could have your best hunting buddy and they could uh screw you on a honey hole so you never know i
1: I don't know what got into me because I've shown one two three i mean under ten uh, hardly way like Hardly anyone I've shown this hole to, and I showed him. Guy, I, I just wanted to go into it. We were out. I was. He wanted to see what Kansas, some Kansas marshes look like, so I was taking him on the tour and everything, and I just was like, man, I just want to see it for myself. So we went nice. into it. He tried to on-exit, and I slapped the phone out of his hand and went into the water.
0: <laughs> did he actually try to on-exit? No,
1: it? I did tell him before, and I was like, okay, just no no marking pins, no satellites, but yeah. He, I mean, he lives clear it? down in Texas. He doesn't come up here, and so... It's cool. And I found while we were there, I actually found a new hole that I didn't even know existed. And I told him, since his name is Dane, I told him if I shoot a duck out of that hole, because this hole is, doesn't have an official name from the complex, that I would label it a Dane Good Hole. That's a Dane Good Hole. <laughs> nice. But then I found out I was in the refuge, so that won't
0: happen. <laughs> mm.
1: so I thought right. it was just outside of of a
0: refuge, but it wasn't. Oh. Yep, that's unfortunate.
1: Other than that, I've yeah, been well, brushing I've... and brushing my boats with Joseph Stern, Rafia, and making videos.
0: Nice. Yeah, I would say that I have uh, just not had. I don't really have a lot of waterfowl updates, but um, I will. I will shortly. I feel like. I mean, I've, i would say that the majority of my time I've been spending on stuff is is uh, hunt stats related. So I'm I'm still super excited about all that stuff we got coming. Um, but I guess we'll we'll give a little a little sneak peek of what we've been working on, Elliot. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So we're we're coming out with uh a run of hunt stats hats. So. Uh,
1: but not hunt stats be- hats. You got to get the official announcement. It's official now. The change is official.
0: Yeah, you're it right. hasn't been implemented it's, it's be yet, but it's official. It's gonna be hard. It's gonna be hard to uh, to remember to uh, call it this, but right. North American Waterfowler. Yep, app. That's Right, <laughs> the right. North American Waterfowler app. So we're coming out with a run of hats for that. Uh, it's gonna be linked to the leaderboards, um, so they're gonna be pretty exclusive. Uh, but they, it's gonna be an old, old fashioned duck camo hat um with leather patch so that's what we're working on it's gonna be awesome um the only way to get them is part of the patreon or to um to uh, we're gonna make certain categories like it's not gonna be about necessarily uh, crazy numbers or anything like that it could be like a random thing like you could uh win a hat for shooting the most uh mergansers in the season or something you know <laughs> yeah something funny like that so it's gonna be pretty cool uh bring everybody together on the leaderboards um so i'm pretty excited about it i guess the one thing we're just we don't want to be pushing like huge numbers is like the end all be all with the leaderboards it's all about having fun so um that's kind of the whole goal with it but yeah uh super excited about them we're we still got to get the mock-ups and everything so it's a little ways out um but yeah it's gonna be cool
1: yeah, we're we're doing a complete overhaul of the graphics on the website and app. It'll look the same, so we've licensed some artwork that is just phenomenal. And so, it's going to look completely different. Not yet. These are just in the background. We've got developers working on this stuff, so we don't not quite sure exactly the release date of all these changes and adding extra categories to the leaderboards. We've got so much going on, but the new look of the site is going to be just Super, super cool, I think. Because yeah. that artwork is amazing.
0: In our mind. I feel like in our mind, Elliot, it's already done. But, like, we have to, <laughs> we're, we're waiting. Our hands are tied because we're waiting on the developers um, to implement everything we want. Which is just one of those things that takes time, unfortunately.
1: Should we drop the name of the artist? of, Or should we wait until it's officially
0: licensed? Let's let's wait, yeah. yeah, We'll wait. we got to leave something... We we've we've
1: negotiated it. We've negotiated all this artwork we're gonna use. It we just hasn't actually been finalized yet, but it's gonna be really, really cool stuff. And I, I will oh, yeah. say we've had as far as the leaderboards go, we've you and I have had lots of conversations about you know, pushing competitive type of stuff because we get some feedback on that and everything. And it's like, I come from the stances. My dad and I used to compete when I was in high school and college and it never changed our ethics. If you watch my videos, I'm not a Skybuster. I'm not a, I mean, half the time I'm holding a camera. So it's not about pals for us, but having a friendly competition with my dad was really, really enjoyable. And so we're trying to marriage it in a way that you can do this and it adds enjoyment, but it's not, what it's all about to the point where it overrides it so you know we've definitely had conversations about the balance of it all for sure yeah
0: yeah and i think especially with we're going to add like uh leaderboards for flyways for states um all those kind of little things where you can just go in and find like something something that you're excited about in the leaderboards whether it's like um, in your state, the number of mallards you shot. And some of that stuff's gonna be further down the road. Um, you know, and dog, dog's retrieves, leaderboards, that kind of stuff. All that stuff's coming. Um, uh, but it's just, you know, something some cool way to kind of see where you fall. But you know, like you said, it's friendly competition. And, you know, we talked to our buddy Titus from, from Mid Valley Mercenary and um he said him and his buddies do something similar to that too. So it's mm-hmm. like I think uh-huh. it's a, a common thing, you know, where a lot of people do like to kind of see um you know where they fall on on waterfowl or their season you know for me it's 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 just as much a competition with myself from from season to season just to be like oh this was a good year oh this was a bad year you know right um and what what changed so yeah and honestly
1: i i don't care how many people get on and and get mad and act elitist there's absolutely nothing wrong with wanting to shoot limits now, if you're making that all, if you can't be happy without a limit, that that's an issue that you need to handle within yourself because there's days I go out and I have two passes and I'm thrilled. So if if you're the type of guy that if you think that it's all about limits and showing people on social media and, and Jordan, and I both put images on social media when we do well, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, is that your whole driving force? It shouldn't be your whole driving force, but so, the, But there's nothing wrong with wanting to be successful and wanting to shoot limits. This is why we're doing this, is we want to be successful. And I'm not going to apologize for enjoying shooting a limit and enjoying tracking my numbers. And And if I shoot more ducks this year than I ever had before, I'm going to like that because I want to be successful. This is a huge part of my life, and I want to be successful. And so I'm not going to apologize for liking that.
0: Yeah, there's definitely something cool about it, for sure. Yeah, so absolutely. <laughs> Well, besides that, yeah, I guess I don't really have uh, too many too many updates, but um, I mean it's July twentieth right now we're recording, so it's uh, it's coming in hot, Elliot. We're what forty forty one days out from uh, from openers.
1: Oh my gosh, I was just looking at it today, and yeah, I mean I am going to be in Nebraska that first week in September shooting some teal, and actually, Jordan, I found, I found I found a Sunday. pond. I found a pond. Right down my road, I saw some doves going into yesterday.
0: Oh, you're going to be in Nebraska for Dove opener, not teal opener. No, no, teal opener. Teal opener. First, not the first (laughs) of
1: the first Saturday. The first is a Thursday. And so the Nebraska teal opener is the third.
0: Yeah. But I found a pond
1: with some Dove on it that I would. Is
0: it the third or the fourth?
1: I believe. Isn't the first a Thursday? Maybe maybe I'm wrong.
0: No, I was asking if the opener is the third or the fourth of November.
1: September. Did I say November?
0: I'm at to say September, too. Okay.
1: The Okay. <laughs> so the first of September is a Thursday. Yeah. And so the the teal opener in Nebraska is the third of September.
0: And you're 100% sure on that? I'm looking at a calendar right here. Oh, see, I thought I looked it up the other day, and it said the fourth. Mm-mm. Fourth is Sunday. I know. That's what I thought. It was weird. Yeah, I, I
1: wish that was accurate because I said I, I found a pond that I think I saw some doves going into yesterday right down the road. And I actually we've got permission to enter that pasture because like when sometimes when I ask permission, I ask for permission to like go into a place and get to know the people. And hey, can we just walk around in there maybe do some fishing? And then like after you build a relationship, then I feel like it's harder to get permission to shoot guns on a place than just walk around it. Right. So yeah. we've oh, yeah. acquired permission to be in that pasture because it looks like a good training pond for Georgie So. Nice. If all goes well and that pond actually holds up, I will be doing dove hunting this year.
0: There you go. That'll be nice and convenient. Yeah, definitely. Yep. I'm. A, yeah. Actually, I bought I bought some uh, dev loads for the twenty gauge, so that'll be fun. Got a whole whole case of those ready to go. Just need to find the fields and and uh, get the birds coming in, and uh, you know it's all about for us September first. Um, figuring out which fields are going to be chopped and which ones aren't going to be, and and uh, knocking on those doors.
1: Yeah, yep. Yeah, you do well for Dove. I like your Dove videos. I really enjoy them a
0: lot. That's that's the way you got to do it, man. A frame, six mojos. Well, <laughs> do you really use six? I yeah, I use six mojos.
1: You know, my buddy, uh, Jason and little Slayer, they were pulling doves into their backyard by their swings with one spinner and no, just a spinner alone. Yeah. yeah. into their swing set.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> That's crazy. It's crazy how stupid, uh, <laughs> doves are. I shouldn't say that, but compared to ducks, right? Like, uh, cause we run an a-frame, no brush. Like you're standing with your shoulders over it. Maybe you crouch, and then, like, they just come right in and they'll land. It's the coolest thing when they land in the in the flocks of, like, five, six, seven doves. Opposed to, like, just pass shooting them, which, I mean, it's dove hunting. Like, I don't mind pass shooting them. But I'm just saying, when we get those flocks coming in, that's kind of the cherry on the top.
1: Yeah. You shoot them more like duck hunting, which is awesome. Decoined doves. Oh, yeah. Definitely.
0: Alrighty, well, let's go ahead and jump on into the main part of the podcast. Tonight, we're going to be doing a Q&A. We got some questions going. Um, for the Patreon chat, guys, if you want to drop some in there, feel free. Uh, we will hit those up. Um, if not, we're going to grab some from the Fellowship of the Duck Gun. Duck Gun? No, the Fellowship of the Duck Gun. But before that, let's get a quick word from our partners, and we'll jump on into it. First off, guys, I want to give you a little, little reminder. Um, check out our brother podcast we got Titus from Mid Valley Mercenary doing a great show he is uh, based over there in California um, and he definitely gets on politics and some other cool stuff too in his podcast um, uh, so he's got he's got a good variety over there but also a big time duck hunter um, and a really cool dude and then our buddy over there Outdoor Limits Josh uh, and his podcast as well um, if you enjoy the Duck Gun podcast You'll definitely enjoy those as well, so check them out. Alrighty. First off, I'd like to give a big thanks to Onyx. Guys, Onyx is the perfect app for the duck hunter. Um, whether it's private land or public land, you can pull up that map right in the palm of your hand. Internet or no internet, you can download it ahead of time and be good to go offline um, and following all that. Uh, you can tap on people's property. It gives you their tax address. Uh, Even if they don't live there, you can drive to where their house is, knock on the door, get that yes or no, and it's just all there in the palm of your hand, super convenient, and it has been a game changer for me as a duck hunter. Check them out.
1: Guys, there is a reason Motion Ducks decoy spreader system is our current longest running partner. That is a product that Jordan and I are just absolutely in love with, and I can say... That I will never be without it in my arsenal. I mean, I had jerk rigs come and go. I hated them. And Jordan and I, and I went on a hunt together. Remember that? Where all our dogs and everything were tangled in our jerk rigs, and it was
0: oh yeah, it's
1: a headache. But that's not going to happen with motion ducks. It's just not. It's a different system, and um, it's something if you if you don't have any type of motion, or if you've been using a jerk rig, or if you've never done it at all, this is going to make you a more successful duck hunter to use motion ducks decoy spreader system. Uh, The code is all caps duck gun 2020 for, I believe 10% off. That's
0: right. Yep. Awesome. Also like to give a big thanks to Rogers and F a guys. uh, Rogers and F a is the one-stop shop for the duck hunter. Um, We got everything from a frames to decoys to waders. Um, And they, you know, they got some cool lines, in um, both their companies, Rogers and Final Approach. I'll say that uh, probably my favorite thing that I'm looking forward to using this season from a Final Approach is the Sub 3 A-frame blind. It's just super cool. It's got everything you want. No bars up up top. Um, just a really, really well thought of and well put together A-frame. Um, and not only that, but it actually splits in two and you can run it like a... Uh, um, like a panel blind. So I'm really, really excited to use that this year. As you guys know, I'm a huge fan of A-frames just in general um, as a style of hunting. If you don't have one as a duck hunter or goose hunter, you're really missing out. So check them out, guys, um, over there at Roger's Sporting Goods.
1: As over at Patreon, Jordan and I are doing our second annual Duck Gun Podcast Hunt giveaway. And if you want to get entered in that and have a chance to come and hunt with Jordan and I, sleeping in his little duck bus do you snore by the way are you a bad snorer oh yeah yeah i'm I, my snoring. wife tells me that i snore but she's a liar uh.
0: <laughs> the poor, the poor, the poor guy who's coming with us not you not sleep the whole time i uh, know
1: really quick side story so i didn't realize that i snored at this level until i married to my wife and so she would tell me in the middle of the night she like oh when she's like you're snoring and for some reason in my stupor i would always be like no you are and eventually it started really <laughs> pissing her off. Let's just say she put a stop to me saying it was her that was actually destroying in the middle of the night. But anyway, if you want a chance to come and hang out with Jordan and I in the duck bus, two we don't know, we're out two days, three days, we're not sure. But we'd like to have you with us. And you can get signed up for that at patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting. You can go there and get signed up and join the giveaway. And we don't have a specific date in mind yet, but it's going to be either late August, early September. We're going to have a big live gathering on one of our channels, and and we're going to see who's going to come hunt with us. So um, if you need more information on that, patreon.com slash freelance.com. And there's a video over there that gives you all the information you need about it. Or feel free to message Jordan or I for more details as well.
0: Awesome. i also like to give a big thanks to Tetra, Tetra Hearing, as Tetra Hearing is an awesome solution for your hearing protection. Uh, you put them on, it keeps all the sounds that you want to hear, wings whistling, uh, your buddies talking, uh, just the, the sounds of the marsh waking up. Um, doesn't take that away from your experience, but bang, when the gun goes off, it mutes that noise and you don't lose any hearing. So um, it's something that a lot of us kind of just sweep under the rug. Oh, it's just it's just part of hunting, but it doesn't have to be, especially with, with cool technology like Tetra hearing. Um, so check them out, guys. It is, uh, the, it's a great thing to do for you and your future as a duck hunter. So check them out. Sweet righty, let's go ahead and jump into today's podcast. I'm excited. I'm too. This is uh definitely one of my favorite podcasts. Uh doing the Q and A's, answering those and and uh ready to jump into it. Gonna give her an old refresh over there and we'll get to crack a lacking. All right. Let's start with Matt Groove. Uh, Matt Groove. How to ID ducks in flight, especially Blue Wings, looking at the the bars and their flight patterns. Um, And so you want to take a crack at this, Elliot? Yeah, I'm excited
1: about this one. Honestly, I am a absolute bird fanatic. I don't go out on bird watching adventures necessarily, but I can promise you every time I see a bird, I'm trying to identify it typically in my car or I went on a vacation to Galveston and my goal was to identify 10 different birds, which I got exactly 10. So it's like I'm anytime I'm out there and I see a bird, I'm trying to identify. And so what I've learned over the years is every single bird has a little bit of an identifier and you have to know what those identifiers are And look for them. And these can be done with silhouettes or they can be done. It's better if you have color, but they can also be done with silhouettes as well. And so just some handy tips that I've come up with a year over identifying birds. Teal, it's hard to describe. They have a distinctive flight pattern. Um, Blue wings. And and there's something about their wing beats that's a little quicker. Um, And they dart around a little bit more so even if you see like small divers you can tell that they're divers versus blue wings because they're going to fly straighter and faster they're not going to dip they're not going to dive they're not going to move um and they're obviously the small size now early season for us with the wood ducks you know sometimes you run into that problem here's the thing the easiest identifier for the wood duck is the length of the tail so there's two ducks that have that longer tail. It's a widgeon and a wood duck. So there's sometimes early season, I will see a d- silhouette of a duck and I'll be like, I know that's either a wood duck or a widgeon just based on that extended tail. It's the only duck that had that I, in my area, that has that silhouette look to it. So if you're not sure if it's a teal or a wood duck, quickly look to, because you can have some juvenile wood ducks that are small. Um, one time we had a bunch of wood ducks come into us at tier and teal season, like a whole flock of them. And there were some juveniles in there and it was really, I felt so proud. I didn't shoot because it was a real tough one, but look to that tail and wood ducks are going to fly a lot, at least in my part of, of the state, they're going to fly a little bit of a straighter line than, than blue wings are. But that tail is that, is that, um, big identifier. Pintails have the long neck. And so for them, you're looking for that long neck. If you can't see any protruding, um, pin or um i'm blanking on what sprig then you're looking for that longer neck um on a pintail that's an easy giveaway and so for so for my area it's basically teal wigeon wood ducks mallards gadwalls divers are easy to tell divers wings are set farther on their back so their wings are just placed a little bit farther back and they're going to be a lot straighter um straighter flyer um, the one that I do struggle with a little bit um, at a distance is gadwalls. Sometimes look like mallards. Um, if you're talking, you know, 150, 200 yards away, and you see a flock go down, sometimes it can be t- it can be difficult to tell between the gadwall and the mallard. Although mallards are bigger and fatter, and so that's pretty much. Do yeah. you got anything to add to that?
0: Yeah, I would just say you know, obviously <clears throat> with wood duck and teal in early season because you got a lot of gray birds still. Um, you know, not, they don't have their, a lot of their plumage. So it can be difficult. Um, in, and, and also, you know, that the wing patch is, is even with juvenile or early season wood ducks does look similar. It's just, you know, it's, um, I, I, <clears throat> excuse me. It's definitely something that comes with experience. The more you see them, um, the more you can start to tell them apart. So I understand why that's a, a difficult one. <clears throat> I'm losing my voice, Elliot <laughs> we already. started. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, and then I would also say probably the hardest one, which you didn't talk about because you don't have in your area, uh, it would be black ducks and mallards, which mm-hmm. I know Thomas has to do that. Um so if you have if you're having trouble identifying, <clears throat> definitely just wait further into the in the morning, which kinda stinks, but especially if you're, you know, um in an area where you might mess up. So, um if you're in the Atlantic flyway and you've already shot a duck and you And uh, if you're unsure if it was a black duck or a mallard or, if you know, the same thing can happen early light with, with hens and, and drakes, it's like, you just have to, you have to know what the limit is, what the limit is and, and uh, definitely don't go over it. So um, yeah, I I understand why a lot of people struggle, but I, I think that it is something that comes with the more time you're in the marsh and the more time you can spend hunting with someone who can be a mentor to you and, and explain, The different things to look at to help identify it, um, the the better off you're going to be at it.
1: Right, and there are some ducks that their their breast is an easy identifier as well. Like you know, wood ducks have that white breast, but then on the top of their chest it's dark, so you'll have that defined line, and that's very similar to a widgeon as well. Um, The drakes have that same type of like really white white breast with that line, and then same the mallards have the mallard drakes have that distinct line between their breast and and <clears throat> their kind of more stomach area so learning what a duck looks like on the underside makes a big difference makes it a big difference too but the, the best thing to do is know what is in your area at the time i i had a widgeon this was years ago but i had a widgeon trick me during blue wing teal season we don't ever hardly ever i can see i think in two times i've seen a widgeon During blue wing teal season, one of which I shot, and this was years ago, so don't crucify me. But I, the reason that I shot it is that I did not expect Wigeon to be in the area, and as it came in, it showed me its breast, and I was thinking, um, green wing teal because green wing teal drakes will have some, you know, that more of a wider belly, and so I, it was such a slow day, and uh, I basically tricked myself into saying, Oh, I think that's probably a green wing teal when I should have absolutely known better. But I in my mind I was thinking wood ducks, green wings, blue wings. And I and I just so you do have to be prepared for anything on the occasion. But general rule, know what's in your area at that time. And then that narrows it down. And if you don't know what it is, then now some people will say, do not know what it is. If you do not know what it is, don't shoot. But if you don't have any ducks, if you have no ducks in your bag and every single duck can legally be killed, then I don't think that identifying makes that big of a difference. I mean, to on, on your first duck, it as right? A duck, right? Right. Identify it as yep. a duck. And you've got and there's no ducks you can't kill at the time then I don't think it's that big of a deal to pull the trigger not knowing what it is. But once you get to the point where if and if there are illegal birds, like let's say you have your two wood ducks or it's during teal season, you can't shoot wood ducks. Then absolutely, if you don't know what it is, don't pull the trigger. And that's where Jordan said with the mentor, you can be whispering. What is it? What is it? Oh, that's a blue wing. That's a blue. Wing. You know, you need to be talking about it too, but.
0: Yeah, be careful and you can run into that even with mallards you know or in early light like we're talking about like mm-hmm. with hens mm-hmm. it's like once you get the two ducks if especially if you haven't retrieved them yet and you should be retrieving them you know especially if you're a dog with a with a dog you have them out there but <clears throat> don't don't shoot a third duck until you know 100 percent. right absolutely yeah that
1: happened to me last year i shot two hens early in dark i thought the first one i was just wanted to kill a duck. And then the second one, I genuinely thought it was a Drake in that light level. And it's like, you got two. So at that point you are being super, super, we take shooting illegals really, really seriously. And that's not something that I want to do. And I, the last one I shot uh, illegal duck I shot was three years ago. I had five, I had four teal, five teal and I needed one more. And I shot one and happened to kill one in the background. Not even know it was there. And I actually called, um, I called it in, Um, and said, Hey, here's what happened. And so we take it really, really seriously. So you want to be very careful that you're not shooting illegal birds.
0: Definitely. Elliot. Yes. I need you to take the wheel here for a second. I'm going to run and grab a cough drop. I don't know why I'm losing my voice right now. Okay.
1: I'll go on to the next question then.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. While Jordan does that. Um, we've got Wesley Miller and his question was how, do you, or do you shoot better solo or in a group? I found I shoot much better when I'm by myself or at least taking turns. Uh, my guess is, is Wesley, probably what you're doing is trying to rush the shot. And I can't tell you if it's between one and three people. I don't know if I shoot better. If you have three people, it's pretty easy to shoot your lanes. So, the, I mean, the way we generally do it is if we hunt in groups of two or three, sometimes four, but generally two or three. And if we have lots of singles coming in, we just take turns. And so I might say, you know, Aiden, this one's yours when it comes in. And all that means is is Aiden gets the first shot. You don't get three shots. You get one shot. So you let Aiden take the very first shot. If he kills it, he kills it. If it's not, then it's anyone's game. But as you get to, you know, four, five, six people. I know when I went down in 100 in Arkansas with Joel Strickland at that um, lodge down there, um, Joel Strickland is the creator of um, surviving duck season. And he's amazing, amazing guy. Anyway, you're hunting six people in a blind and there is no taking turns in that situation. And so I shot terrible. And the reason I shot terrible is I was I felt like I needed to beat everyone else to pull the trigger. And so I was rushing my shots. And finally, I wish I had talked to Joel ahead of time because after like the third day, I, I was discouraged because I was shooting so Poorly. We'd have a group of 10 come in and I'm thinking there's six guns going off. I got to get on these birds as fast as I can. And I was just rushing my shot. So, and what I actually learned from Joel is a lot of those guys at those clubs, those big guide services hunt like once a year. So they're not great shots. So you're better off to actually wait and let people clean up the easy ones and then look for, um, a, you know, look from there. But I can say definitely with big groups, my experience is that I shoot way worse but i don't notice any difference in my shooting between you know two or three people if there's two or three people and, and it's like i said one bird you're going to be we're going to be taking turns if it's more than that we're going to be shooting our lanes so uh, my guess is that wesley you're probably probably rushing rushing your shot um yeah do you have anything to add to that one it was about whether you shoot better um by yourself or taking turns or
0: with groups Shoot better or worse. yeah um yeah, no, I can definitely see shooting better. So like you said, rushing, I can see that being a thing. Um, and then also if you're by yourself, a lot of times um, I, I would say I definitely shoot worse in a group. And, uh, and and the reason for that is if you have a flock of three come in, the bird in your lane might be a way harder shot than the first one that's like foot down, feet down on the decoys. Um, or if they're like flaring off at like 25 yards, the one in your lane might be flaring off at 30, 35 yards. If you're right. in a solo hunt, you get that easier shot. So, Good point. Not only that, but it just, like you said, there's there's no competition. You don't have to worry about someone shooting a bird out from under you. You can put that bead on it, follow it as long as you need to, and kind of be natural and smooth. So um, I would definitely say i probably shoot better yeah. as a solo hunter than, than in a group.
1: Yeah, that shooting your lane, you can really get kind of, screwed on that like on the flyways collective hunt where we on that big goose hunt we shot so many i had the worst land out of
0: everyone oh yeah they all flared to the Mm. to the left they all just came
1: cupping in on the left side and then my shots were flailing i mean they were still good shots there were such cupcake shots they were still good but it's like i know like titus and and some of the guys on that and you i don't know exactly where you're but the guys on the left their shots were like in the middle those shots were like floating floating cupped in birds and my shots were more kind of flaring off a little bit, but so in some days they'll just come in exactly the same way every time. And your lane just may be a little, the little bit harder shot yep. over to over the time.
0: And the bigger, the bigger the group you are, the further your lanes can get pushed off from like the center easy bird. So, yeah, you know.
1: and in general, I would discourage against hunting with big groups. I don't like it. I don't think for me personally, um, I, I, it's just not my cup of tea in any way, shape, or form. So I, I think yeah. maximum enjoyment is two, three people. That's my personal opinion.
0: I'm, I'm right there with you. I'll, I'll give my one exception on that is that uh, I, really, I really do like those big dry field hunts where we do like double wide A frames, mm-hmm. and you're going to be hunting like big flocks of geese coming in. It's like why not? Had just have the the A frames full because right. most you have a good chance of shooting all those birds.
1: Yeah, and I've never done that. But on those so marsh
0: different. hunts when you're getting in there and hiding in the brush and mm-hmm. and that's, you know, or wood duck hunts. We're not running that many people, right. almost almost never. Right. Good point. All righty, next one. Tony Loney. Yep, Tony, Tony Loney. Um, and he says, the difference between till and wood ducks. Also, you don't own a public marsh. If you get beat to the spot, you lose your spot. Um, definitely can agree with that last part. What's the difference between a teal and wood duck? Well, I'm, not, I'm about honestly, that. yeah, we talked about identifying mm-hmm. it. I'm not sure if he's super new to hunting. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure. So, um, yeah, if you're talking about identifying, we already talked about that. If you're just talking about what is the difference, I mean, they're just two different ducks. <laughs> one lives in the trees, <laughs> she eats a lot of acorns. The other one uh, migrates early and flies around really fast and yeah so just different ducks yeah, um, a different. you know and uh, wood ducks look way cooler than teal
1: I am. I am a blue. Blue wings are my second favorite duck. I'd have to say. I absolutely love them. I love early
0: season so. or like full plumage. I never see them full plumage. So, well, I don't. I don't either. Uh,
1: I just love shooting them. I love how they fly. I love how they when they're flocked up. I and they're the first ducks that enter Kansas. So in Kansas, all the ducks get north pretty much. I mean, you can go out and see a few wood ducks right now, but generally speaking. All the ducks go north. So when we, we don't see ducks for six months, and then all of a sudden you're out in a marsh and you just hear that, shoo, and it's blue wings. And there's just so, and then you have teal season. So it's like all wrapped up for me. It's just like I absolutely love blue and teals.
0: Yeah. I am envious of the Central Flyway and their blue, blue wing teal seasons because Mississippi Flyway, we talked about the difficulties of wood ducks and teal, but they make it so you can't shoot till sunrise. Stupid. So. It's so it's dumb. Not, it mean, is it,
1: dumb because it it penalizes people who can actually identify birds because of people who can't, and that's <laughs> stupid.
0: Yeah, I, I, I guess I can agree with you on that. But the the other part is that uh, I mean, the you just miss out on so many opportunities as far as we, I mean, we had a day. I've, I've talked about this, and I don't want to keep beating it, like you know, beating a, a dead horse. But we had a day last year where I was out with Kevin. 30 minutes of sitting there mm-hmm. watching flocks. I mean, they were landing in our decoys right. swimming around and like I could have limited. And then by the time sunrise came around, they're gone. Never saw a wood duck all day.
1: Yeah. It's, I wonder what it is, if it's just the heat or why is it that blue wings? Cause blue wings are like this, like no other ducks. They, they fly early. And then now we've, we've shot blue wings at 10, 1030. I mean, on openers. So, but for the most part, they like flying that first 45 minutes from shooting time to 15 minutes after sunrise to an, to 30 minutes after sunrise. I wonder what it is about them that makes them just shut down after that. Do you think it's the temperature?
0: I have no idea. We'd have to talk to a biologist on that one. I will say this about blue
1: wings, and I don't, you may not know this just from your lack of um, blue wing experience, but blue wings in a marsh can absolutely disappear and they they yeah. get in there and get, they get feeding. I've been out scouting before and I've been a pool where I'm like, man, there's uh, there's no no teal here. There, and I'll get like 20 yards up to and then all of a sudden like 500 of flush. Like all from all around you. You're like, "What?" And you glass and you don't see them. I think that they cuz you know like you get a bunch of mallards, you'll see the splashing and but you can get blue wings in short, pretty short vegetation. And they just go away. They just disappear. So that's something to keep in mind. Like if you know the birds there in the morning, but you're not seeing them, you do like a twelve o'clock, one o'clock scout, and you're not seeing them, but you saw them in the in the in the first hour. They're probably still there. They are. It's unbelievable how they can hide.
0: You think it's because the they don't have plumage? Yeah. Because like a mallard, you see yeah. a lot of mallard. You know the the drake.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Head. I don't know, but. It, they're uncanny at it. Maybe, maybe it's the size and the plumage, and and I'm not sure. Maybe they're just little. Maybe they have to conserve body heat because it's a little warmer, and that's the answer to the whole thing. I, I don't. I don't know. It'd be interesting to know that.
0: Yep. All righty. Um, Matt Lee asked, Are you going to use a 410 for duck hunting? And my, I've, I've looked for ammo. Honestly, I can't find any. So, I have no idea. I probably will. try to do it for one hunt at least. I think I have some. Um,
1: I think I've got some four ten ammo.
0: It's probably lead. That's probably no. How it's no, probably. it's oh yeah, it is lead. It is. I do have. <laughs> <laughs> I used to. Well, my kids used to shoot it. Any. But yeah, it is lead. What I have what so you're trying to not incriminate yourself i forgot
1: no no I, I got it because the reason i got lead was because i couldn't find any poppers for training georgie and so that was the poppers are like empty holes for yep. dog training and i i couldn't find any so that was like the next best thing i could find was because i needed to use something for gunfire for her for her training for the hunt test so
0: I about a box yeah the the only four ten ammo i've been able to find is turkey loads and i'm not gonna be spending five dollars a squeeze on,
1: on yeah, yeah. i bet matt's got some i bet he's got some he doesn't he doesn't have a 410. oh he doesn't i thought he did have a 410.
0: um he doesn't i don't think he does he's got a 28 gauge or okay. he's got three or something um he rides him around like a broom
1: <laughs> <laughs> i did i tell you that i'm not getting a 28 gauge for this year after all my plan's
0: kind of yeah. fizzled out
1: financially, and mm. I'll have to save it for that a stinks. different game. I know.
0: That's all right. Maybe you'll shoot a different gun this year. That'd be cool. That's going to happen. That That's going to
1: happen. I got one coming. <laughs> I'm pumped up.
0: Awesome. All Samantha asks. This is an interesting question. Okay. I'll let you read it then.
1: All right. We have a Creek here that winds through some semi wooded brushy areas, but the water is pretty stagnant due to beaver dams. Will ducks use that type of water or do they prefer creeks that have flowing water? The general area has other marshes around it. that get a decent amount of pressure. Also,
0: I I mean, I think it'd be an awesome spot. Yeah. I mean, beaver dam beaver dam ponds have been known for being great duck hunting, honey, honey. Right. So,
1: right. Yeah. Traditionally they're looked on as really good spots and I've been told, and I don't have beaver dam experience. Did I cut you off? I didn't mean to interrupt you if I cut you off. No, no, no. Go ahead. I don't have beaver no. dam experience, but I know that folklore says beaver dams are good. And what I have been told is those beavers will actually keep those holes open. And so when those marshes freeze, <clears throat> I would go check those beaver dam holes. Because there there is trickling water. There's almost always a little bit of running water coming out of the back end of a beaver dam, which can create some holes holes for you. But the beavers, if there's like a whole family in there, a lot of times they will keep that open. So I would definitely, when those little marshes around there freeze, I would go check and see what's going on on those beaver dams,
0: 100%. Yeah, even before that, I just think, I mean, I know I don't have a lot of marshes around, so but I don't know if that's going to be too much competition. But, like you said, if they're pressured, man, birds a lot of times will roost at those marshes. And they, I mean, they just know the patterns of hunters yeah, pretty quick. Absolutely. And as soon as you get a, a first flight and then the first weekend they hunt, I mean, they're going to be jumping off to little outshoots. I mean, it depends how far we're talking. We're talking like five miles from these marshes or like one mile. If it's like one mile, it's like, yeah, I can't can't imagine they don't find it. So, right. Um, and not only that, it's like how long has it been a beaver dam? Um, you can get. Uh, vegetation growing depending on, on the water levels and all that, and you have a food f- food source in there as well. So, I mean, if you haven't hunted it ever, I would definitely take a really good eye on it this year. It depends where you live, too, uh, as far as, like, what part of the country um, because that could be a really good wood duck to pool too. So, um, I don't know. I'd be super excited if I had a spot like that.
1: Yeah, definitely check it. And i got to tell you a real quick story. This is going to go off sideways just a little bit, but this is – Definitely. So I'm reading this book about um Kansas in the like from 1850 to 1870. And um this trapper, this guy told he was out by himself and he found a huge beaver dam. And he was trapping this beaver dam. And he got the idea that he wanted to take his axe and cut down in the top of this beaver dam and look down in there and see what it was like inside of a beaver dam. And it's like it's really, really cold out. Uh, they didn't tell the temperature, but it's really, really cold. And so he goes chopping to the top of this beaver dam, and he sees the hole down there. And he decides he's going to crawl down in there and and check it out. And so um, he crawls down in there, and he gets he gets half of his body in and half his body out of the beaver dam. And he realizes that it's a way smaller hole than what he expected, and he can't even get his whole body into it. And so now he's halfway in and halfway out. Well, the way he chopped, you know, he chopped on the axe and he created like these little spikes pointing down. So, like, think of like a fish trap. Right. And so he's in there and he's trying to get out, but he can't get out because this wood is cut into these like shanks. And so he's stuck. And so he's sitting in there and uh, long story short, he spends 24 hours like this. And what he had to do is he was able to, oh, and the beavers kept coming back up in from time to time and seeing him and like slapping their tail and splashing water all over him. And uh, he was able to wriggle and get his knife out of his pocket and, and he's like trapping all by himself. So it's like either I get out of this or I'm dead. And um, so he get takes his knife and he's like, if I drop this knife, I know I'm, I'm dead. And he was able to shave slowly over hours and hours, shave those spikes off of those Um, pieces of wood that he had cut so that he could wriggle out. He was trapped like that for 24 hours straight and and was able to get out. It was like like 1872 in Kansas. I just thought Mm -hmm. that story is so, whether it's true or not now, I don't know, but they, they portrayed it as it being a true story. Is this a real book?
0: It could be, it could be, it could be true. My my one, th- I have two questions. Like, wh- how how does his legs not freeze? Right.
1: Well, he actually talked about that. He said from his like anything exposed was just freezing cold, but then the, all the the part that was in was warm. So he actually talked about how unbearably cold it was for. I'm guessing he was like thigh, somewhere between thigh and knees were out, and the rest was in. And so yeah, he actually addressed hmm.
0: that. I just can't imagine that'd be so cold, but. Uh, And then the second thing is, how does head not, like, pop from, like, all that blood? Yeah. Just (laughs) constant (laughs) blood pressure. (laughs) I don't know.
1: I don't know. I don't know how long you can live hanging. He might have been at a bit of an angle. Maybe he wasn't, like, completely straight up and down. Maybe he was a little bit of an angle. I don't know. Yeah.
0: It's one of those stories where there seems like there's some holes, but you want to believe it. Right, so, yeah. right, yeah.
1: I read that. I've been telling every like all my friends
0: about. It. I was like, you gotta hear this story
1: from this. It's an awesome
0: book. It, it's an amazing book. <laughs> I love, I love that kind of stuff. That old stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, this book is about this guy, and I won't go the whole thing, but he like starts out living right around where my main duck hunting is, and he goes all over Kansas, and he's he's like naming ah, He's naming towns. <laughs> he's naming rivers, and so I like get up Google Earth and like find the river he's like oh when this river splits and like pinpointing oh they're right here and they're out hunting but it's incredible incredible book. on the plains awesome. with indians and buffalo or something like that it's it's so
0: cool sounds pretty cool yeah, i had to tell that sorry <laughs> no awesome all righty um next one we got is from austin and he says, my girlfriend is showing interest in wanting to hunt waterfowl. She has deer hunted for many years. How do I keep it fun, but also not get too bored on days where it's super slow? <laughs> There's an
1: obvious answer to this, Austin. Yeah. Uh,
0: and we did have a comment from uh, Wesley Miller said it right there. But I was thinking that same thing when I read the comment. I'm like, if you're a deer hunter, man, I'm like, deer hunting's not the the poster child for like super fun. Like you sit in a tree stand depends on your style of hunting, but like the typical deer hunter you think of is like a trophy hunter, right? They sit in the the tree stand for 50 hunts of a year to get that one buck. It's not like, you know, right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I I don't have probably much appropriate to say to this because if I've got a girlfriend, she's got problems on slow days and she can just stay home. (laughs) that's my thing yep. about like taking gosh, I'm going to sound like such a jerk, but like taking <laughs> kids, I'm all about taking some kid kids sometimes. And I'm all about taking, I took my wife and my daughter on one sometimes, but you know, when it boils down to it, if you're either going to come and be able to do it or not be able to do it, and I'm not going to take anyone on a consistent basis that can't do it or is going to complain about it or, you know, Oh, I'm bored. It's, it's slow. I'm bored. We'll stay home. I mean, ultimately, like day in, day out hunt. There are specific hunts I, take, I do those types of things, and I accommodate, and it's fine. But hunt in, hunt out. Either you're going to enjoy what we're doing here, or you can stay home.
0: Yep. No, I, I agree with you on that for sure. So, um, yeah. I, I, I to answer the question, if you're not like Elliot, and you're willing to accommodate, I mean, I guess just talk about expectations beforehand, um so they know what they're getting into if she's already a hunter, a deer hunter, then <clears throat> then I don't think it'll be too hard for her to grasp that like hunting is hunting some days you just can't control the amount of activity you're gonna have, you hope for the best, you do your homework, you put yourself in in positions to do well and and hopefully it pans out, yeah, um you know, and then for. Uh, for her first hunt with you, you know, just make sure you're you're uh, striving for that. uh, Taking her on on a time that's going to be a good time, you know. Um, bring breakfast, all you know, do all the all the things to make it the the coolest experience.
1: Yeah, and I'd say if it's like a type of thing, like it's going to be an annual thing that my wife and daughter go out with me once now during teal season, and on those types of hunts, let's say that your girlfriend just oh, I just want to go out a couple times a year with you, then you just accommodate. You're like, okay, I know my girlfriend's going to go with me a couple times a year. I really like it when she comes. So if she gets bored, then just leave. I mean, if it's that type of a deal and you want them to come with you a few times a year, then they run the show on those hunts. And if they're bored and you just, they want to leave, then then you leave. But if you want her to be a serious you know, hunting partner, then she's going to have to endure.
0: Yep. Already, uh Sean asks... Float pods on a John boat yes or no. So that's like a <clears throat> that's not like a cut and dry answer. It depends on on your boat and your setup and your motor and the weight distribution. like uh, there's never a reason just to put float pods on like you don't do it just because it makes your boat look cooler or something like that. It's because you need extra buoyancy in the back. Um, so if, if you got a, a bigger motor than what your boat can handle uh, without them, you know, it's going to ride better and get you up on plane better, then go ahead and do it. But if um, if you got a really light motor and you're already getting on plane, um, it's not really going to help you out, and, and it can actually hurt you. So um, it can make it harder getting around in, in the shallow areas and, and stuff like that. So it's not like cut and dry. It just depends on your setup. What do, you, what do you got to add to that, Elliot?
1: Well, my dad put float pods on our 18-foot weld build after we flipped it in the river that time. Because we ran up on a lot, just a total, he and I both had to be complete idiots in order to get into the situation we got into where we ran up on a stump that was about three feet out of the water. And we hit it just perfectly so that the nose went up on the stump and then the back end went underwater. And the thought is with float pods, would the back end have gone underwater? So I think you're probably going to always be safer with float pods than without. So if you, if you can put them on and you're worried about, I assume you're putting them on the John boats are very dangerous boats and, and people die in them all the time out hunting big lakes, 12 foot. And I think John boat, I'm thinking a 12 foot flat bottom boat and people, you know, put duck blinds on those and go out onto the major reservoirs and they die. They do. And so I would say, in the cold, keep your John boat off of off of lakes and reservoirs. If you're in a marsh, there's no reason for it. If you're in December... Well, they,
0: they have John boats up to 18 Well, then make, when I hear John boat, that's why
1: I think of. When I hear John boat, I think of a 12-foot boat. I don't know what the textbook sure. definition is. That's I mean, they, I they
0: do sell it. the style that would be considered John boat. I mean, it's flat, a flat bottom boat. Right. They make them up to 18 foot. Okay.
1: Yeah, I, I just think of them as a... a, a but yeah, I'm looking at you right. I I think of them as 12 foot boats. I always think a 12 foot John boat. But um, you're going to be more safe with float pods than less safe. Than less safe. So if you have the option to do it, do it.
0: You don't think there's any there's any uh, disadvantage to Not it for
1: safety? What would be the safety disadvantage?
0: Um. Well, I guess yeah. I mean if you're if you're running your nose up on something, it gives you more buoyancy. But as far as like how your boat runs, oh, right? Yeah. Um, you know, as far as how your boat runs, it could it could do some stuff for. Uh, you know, getting on plane is the big sure. thing. Sure. So. Yeah. Um, if your front is running into the water because you have too much buoyancy in the back, if your nose is digging in, that's not great either. So. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: I just think of it strictly out of the safety issue, and so if he's asking the question, then he must be a little worried about the safety. I would assume so. If sure. I'm worried about the safety, I mean, some and people are just gearheads. right? We, but we, I, I don't know what advantage they've given us, but we put them on.
0: Yeah. Alrighty, um, we got Jack, and he says, "Having a bad hunt for the first couple times, preparing. Wait, um, what's that say? Oh, preparing you for realizing when the good ones come and how much meaning." Meaningful they are. How much more meaningful they are. Amen. So is that is that a question at all? I don't know if
1: it's a question, but it's 100% true. I would not want to be successful every single hunt. Because when you go on a bad, a dry spell, and then you all of a sudden get a limit, the emotional feeling you have. Because I've been on runs where, you know, we're shooting mallards, limits, you know, hunt after hunt after hunt. The fourth or fifth limit day is not as fun as the first one. And so, when you go on a bad streak and then you have that success where it's all of a sudden phenomenal, like the feeling you had after you had started your hunting career and you went over, you know, your first seven hunts or whatever, and you guys shot the limit, that emotional feeling can only be hit at the very, very top level if you have experienced or been through lots of failure. And you have to have the failure to have the elation. And so, I'm all on yep. board with what he's saying.
0: <clears throat> yeah. Definitely agree with that. I will say though that my first hunt when I shot a duck, um, I didn't, I didn't even know how to have that emotion yet. I would the, say m-
1: the limit. I was a limit. Just,
0: hunt? No, no, no. Well, I thought you were talking about when I first. No, shot I was talking about,
1: about that first limit
0: you had. Oh yeah, no, that was super cool for sure. Now thought you're talking about my first hunt, and it's like when when I shot that first duck, and I'm there, and I brought one of my buddies, and neither of one of us knew how to duck hunt, and. uh, that mallard fell like literally like in between us (laughs) uh, through the trees. Like it was like plink going through the branches (laughs) and, uh, (laughs) and, but I was like almost scared to even pick it up. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. So, but you're right. Like I can think about, um, this last season, man, we went, uh, I went up to Michigan and I think I hunted two or three times. I was doing an extended hunt up there and everything was just mediocre or, or worse. Um, and then we got to the last day and hunted a new spot, hunted it blind we went in there and shot a three man limit and it's just like you know uh, when everything kind of comes together like that and I think that was like the last day of the first split, which then in Michigan you only have a two day split to end the season so um definitely can agree like that was you know that having all that the the tough hunts and lead into that you know just complete awesome hunt mallard's cupping in stacking them on the front of the duck torpedo yeah it's you know it's awesome
1: expectations make such a big difference i i love those hunts where you're just like man i don't think you're gonna do any good today and then all of a sudden there's mallards everywhere that that feeling is what it is about that emotional ride and some people, I think, feel it more than others do just because of their love. They're at the level of how much they love seeing birds and shooting birds and eating the birds. But, man, it's a magical, magical feeling to me.
0: Yep. Good deal. Well, I think this is a, a pretty good place to go ahead and close her off before I lose my voice anymore. I'm uh, almost at the end of my last cough drop. So any last words, Elliot?
1: Nope. I enjoyed, I love it when we do the Q and A's and you know, if you guys, um, have questions, you can always shout them out to us through, through text and everything. I like hearing from you. I think Jordan does too. So if there's questions you do have, yep. you can always hit that. And I do need to give a shout out to a patron, um, Aaron Hartman. He's going to be sent a duck gun hat. He just joined up today at the 25 level and is. Um, getting a Death on hat. So thank you so much, Aaron, for being with us. Appreciate it very much. And then reach out to us if you need anything.
0: Awesome. Yep. If uh, Best place to reach me, Instagram, Instagram message. Elliot, you're probably the same way, or Facebook, mm-hmm. too. But all right, folks, thanks for tuning in for another one. Until next week, I'm Jordan, Duck and Chronicles, Elliot from Freelance seconding and we'll see you guys next time.